Okay, Boomer. Okay, Boomer. Okay, Boomer. Okay, Boomer. Okay, kid. Let's talk about something that is facing some Boomers right now. Alzheimer's. But research shows you may be able to do something about it. It shows that we may be able to reduce the risk of dementia by as much as 40% just by paying attention to our cardiovascular risk factors. We'll be hearing from nurse practitioner Cindy Womack of the Smith Center for Alzheimer's Disease and Research and Treatment in a few minutes. And who might wind up caring for an Alzheimer's patient or someone else with a disability? You're right, the boomer. Oh, certainly. Um, Those individuals are more likely to be caring for either a spouse or a parent. Karen Cripps was one of the event organizers, and she talked to us about the Caregivers Roundup. That's the event where the caregivers will receive some tender, loving care. Recreational activities, or not so recreational. The U.S. government is considering taking marijuana off the list of controlled substances, which would be good for business because... Right now, businesses that are in the cannabis area are not able to take any kind of tax deductions at all. And we'll hear from Gary Kinsell, who is a professor and director of the Cannabis Science Center at a local university. Professor Kinsell will talk about the possibility that cannabis might be reclassified from a Schedule One to a Schedule Three substance. The news is next. Boomer News, I'm Robert Rickman. Now, many baby boomers across the country are now coming to terms with the hard reality that working for your entire adult life is no longer enough to guarantee you'll have a roof over your head in your later years. Thanks in part to a series of recessions, high housing costs, and a shortage of affordable housing, older adults are now the fastest-growing segment of America's homeless population. That's according to a report in the Wall Street Journal based on data from the Department of Housing and Urban Development. University of Pennsylvania social policy professor Dennis Culthane told WSJ, that's the Wall Street Journal, he said the fact that we are seeing elderly homelessness is something that we have not seen since the Great Depression. Here's what has triggered what some experts are calling a silver tsunami and what they say needs to change to reverse the tide. Baby boomers are increasingly becoming homeless. Dr. Margot Koschel, a professor of medicine at the University of California, San Francisco, studies health impacts of homelessness. And Koschel's research shows there's an escalating rate of homelessness among older Americans. In a 2020 journal article for the American Society on Aging, Koschel wrote that of all the homeless single adults in the early 1990s, now note this, folks, 11% were 50 and older. But by 2003, she says, the percentage grew to 37%, from 11 to 37%. Now, the over-50 demographic represents half of the homeless single adults in the U.S., with no sign of their numbers slowing, leaving baby boomers, those aged 57 to 75, particularly vulnerable. In the past, says Colhane, elderly homelessness has been rare. We've always had very few people over 60 who've been homeless historically. But in recent years, Colhane says that has changed. Older Americans, he says, are now arguably the fastest rising group. Here's some news that um, you should be aware of. You might not like it particularly. September is World Alzheimer's Month. Now, here are some unpleasant facts from the Alzheimer's Association. 
more than 6 million Americans are living with Alzheimer's. By 2050, this number is projected to rise to nearly 13 million. One in three seniors dies with Alzheimer's or another dementia. It kills more than breast cancer and prostate cancer combined. In 2023, Alzheimer's and other dementia will cost the nation $345 billion. By 2050, these costs could rise to nearly $1 trillion. And let's get into more detail. Cindy Womack is a nurse practitioner at Smith Center for Alzheimer's Disease Research and Treatment, and she has this to say. The baby boomers are aging, and the you know the incidence of Alzheimer's disease, uh, roughly 10% of the um, population of those age 65 and older will develop dementia. So as that population cohort ages, we are going to see more dementia and more Alzheimer's disease. There has been some recent research that shows that actually the incidence of dementia is decreasing in um, advanced um, um, industrialized societies, mainly because people are paying attention to cardiovascular risk factors. They're exercising regularly. They're keeping that blood pressure, their cholesterol under tight control. They're watching their diet. So, you know, the Lancet Commission out of the United Kingdom published a report in 2017, and they just updated it um, in 2020, that shows that we may be able to reduce the risk of dementia by as much as 40% just by paying attention to our cardiovascular risk factors. Some of these risk factors start early in life. Advanced education can reduce your risk of dementia by 7%. So this tells us that dementia in general and Alzheimer's disease, that we really ought to look at the lifespan of the individual and start early with our children, making sure that they they finish their education and that they get, you know, um, additional education, that that they're lifelong learners, so they're constantly stimulating their brain. You know, you don't have to go on. Everybody doesn't need a Ph.D., but everybody can learn something new. You can learn a second language. You can learn to play a musical instrument. There are many things that you can do to challenge the brain and um, it, and increase your, your neurocognitive reserve, as we call it. Nurse practitioner Cindy Womack speaking from the Smith Center for Alzheimer's Disease Research and Treatment. Now, the Smith Center is part of Southern Illinois University Medicine and is located in Springfield, Illinois. Many boomers are not only taking care of themselves, but someone else, such as their parents. And sometimes the caregiver needs care. So let's round up the caregivers in the area and show our appreciation for the hard work Karen Cripps of a local Medicare insurance agency has this to say. So the Caregiver Roundup uh, is an event that we're sort of resurrecting. So I'm part of the Healthy Seniors Action Team, which has been around for a number of years. Um, We have typically put on two programs a year. One is the Senior Fun Fest, and then the other one um, was a caregiver retreat for individuals who are caring for family members. Uh, Maybe that individual has a, a disability or has dementia or Alzheimer's, Um, but caregivers have a tendency to... um, Burn out? Yeah, 
Absolutely. And not uh, focus on themselves and their own self-care. And so oftentimes we will see a caregiver get ill and not be able to care for the individual that they are responsible for. And then both of them might be, uh, you know, in the hospital at the same time. Or, 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 or now, are we talking about caregivers who might be uh, boomers in their 60s, maybe 70s? Oh, certainly. Um, those individuals are more likely to be caring for either a spouse or a parent. Uh, lunch is provided. We're going to have some motivational speakers, including Mark Kiesling from WSIL-TV News, um, Kendall Boyson, who is a life and recovery coach. We're also going to have some pampering breakout sessions. So um, we're going to have some local massage therapists who are donating their time to do chair massages for everyone in attendance that wishes to have one. Uh, we'll also have mini manicures. The John A. Logan uh, cosmetology students will be there to provide that for us. Uh, and also some chair yoga and breathing exercises uh, so that people can kind of learn some ways to decompress at home, um, maybe take a minute to relax at home as well. Um, so we're going to teach them some skills. We're going to pamper them a little bit, feed them some lunch, um, have some great motivational speakers. It should be a wonderful day. Uh, we haven't had this event for about three years because of, of the COVID shutdown. Um, so we're really hoping to resurrect it and have folks come back out um, and provide this for, for people. Um, so the way to register, because it is required that you register, since we need to have a head count for food and everything, um, you can call Holly at 618-993-9138. Call Holly at 618-993-9138. You can also look on the Healthy Seniors Action Team Facebook page. So if you just type Healthy Seniors Action Team in there, we do have a Facebook page and our flyer is posted on there. And it has a QR code that you can register through right there, um, as well as a uh, website that will take you directly to a registration form. Again, it's a free event. Uh, it will be located at Cornerstone Church in Marion, and the event will take place Friday, October 6th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And if you are a caregiver, we would love to have you come. How is this being paid for? So the Healthy Seniors Action Team, um, sort of long backstory, uh, was formed probably 10, 15 years ago, maybe even longer, I can't recall now. Um, we had some grant funds through SIH. Um, there was a, a conglomerate of providers and, and uh, agencies in the region who uh, received some grant funds to do uh, focus on what healthy needs uh, aren't being addressed in our region. So this was kind of an offshoot of that group. Um, this is just focused on seniors, and so that's what this committee has always focused on. Those grant funds are long, long gone. Uh, so what we have done in the past is have sponsors. So we're going to have some sponsors for this event who make it possible for individuals to come and, and not have to pay to attend or pay for lunch. Karen Cripps from the Insurance House in Marion, Illinois. 
Once again, to register for the Caregiver Weekend, call Holly at 618-993-9138. That's 618-993-9138. And Kendall Boyson will be there, as we've heard. Boomers, open enrollment for Medicare is October 15th through December 7th. Now, what plan should you select? It can get very complicated. I spent a day and a half picking a plan a few years ago. But SHIP is here for you. SHIP is the Senior Health Insurance Program, that's what it stands for, and is a free statewide health insurance counseling service for Medicare beneficiaries and their caregivers in every state in the union. Over the next few weeks, OK Boomer will be talking with Becky Salazar and Kim Scheffner at a local area agency on aging about how to select the best plan and useful tips on how to use it. Now, this episode, SHIP Medicare counselor Kim Scheffner talks about changes. If you want to make a change with any part of your Medicare, please call a SHIP counselor. We are trained and certified by the National Council on Aging in the Illinois Department on Aging. There's no charge for our services. And you're looking at several types of Medicare plans, right? Yes, there's Part A, Part B, Part D, and Part C, which is Medicare Advantage. Down here in southern Illinois, we do not have a a lot of providers and facilities and hospitals to fill those networks on the Medicare Advantage plans. Some clients do choose, if they are in good health, in the beginning to go with the Medicare Advantage plan and then may switch to traditional Medicare um, as their health progresses. Medicare counselor Kim Scheffner of the Egyptian Area Agency on Aging, located in southern Illinois, where the Ohio and Mississippi River come together. However, what Kim just said applies nationwide. Now, to get a hold of a SHIP counselor in your state, if you're listening out of Illinois, contact your local senior center, regional agency on aging, a library, or your state government website. Here in southern Illinois, you can call Egyptian Area Agency on Aging, 618-985-8311, or visit the website home. That's EgyptianAAA.org. EgyptianAAA.org. Other news. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services recently recommended DEA to reclassify marijuana as a less controlled Schedule Three substance and the potential impact on shifting norms and laws. Gary Kinsell is a professor in the School of Chemical and Biochemical Services and Sciences and director of the Cannabis Science Center at a local university. Kinsell says that it would affect rather significantly the tax options for cannabis businesses and it might impact the criminal penalties in states that have not legalized cannabis. As for the local farmer? I don't think it would mean very much. The, the, the people that will see the biggest effect of the rescheduling is the businesses that are in the cannabis area. Right now, businesses that are in the cannabis area are not able to take any kind of tax deductions at all. And so they have a very high tax rate. They also have very limited access to banking. If the drug or if cannabis is rescheduled from Schedule 1 to Schedule 3, their their ability to use the banking system changes dramatically because it's now it's like a pharmaceutical, a, a prescribed pharmaceutical. It's in that same classification. And they also are able to uh, take significantly more tax uh, breaks than they can currently. So it's really going to have the biggest impact on cannabis businesses. That's what the rescheduling will mostly. 
Gary Kinsell is a professor in the School of Chemical and Biochemical Sciences and director of the Cannabis Science Center at Southern Illinois University in Carbondale, Illinois. Marijuana currently is classified as a Schedule I controlled substance, alongside drugs such as LSD and heroin, which the agency says have large potential for abuse and likely no medicinal value. SIU's Cannabis Science Center focuses on establishing collaborative research and garnering research dollars to study hemp, cannabis, and related issues. Faculty work in a multidisciplinary environment looking at the agriculture, biomedical, healthcare-related, educational, and commercial interests in the plants. Okay, time now for quishing. What is quishing? Well, quishing is pishing. Experts are warning of the latest cyber threat to smartphone users, quishing. You know those square boxes with all kinds of squares, bars printed on packages and ads and on the Internet? That's a QR code, and QR stands for quick response. Quishing uses the QR code to carry out a phishing attack, usually either to trick people into revealing sensitive information or by infecting devices with malware. CR codes were invented in 1994 to track vehicles during manufacturing in Japan and had slowly spread across the globe and were expected to take off in an increasingly digital world. But even after Apple gave the iPhone a QR code scanner, in 2017 they were still far from ubiquitous until COVID arrived. And suddenly we were scanning them left, right, and center to prove we were virus-free or get into restaurants. Now, with the habit still strong in QRs everywhere, from loyalty cards to ads on the bus, to your box, cyber criminals are, are jumping for joy because now the CR code is part of their arsenal. Now, it is easy for the bad guys to falsify links and addresses. A bad QR code could infect your device or make you click on a link to a dangerous website. To avoid falling for a quishing scheme, avoid CR codes that you don't trust. Make sure you can identify where the code came from. For example, if the website address's address reads, say, a .gov, you're probably okay. But if it reads billy.com or something like that, then it's probably not safe. The scam business might give us a heartburn, a sudden heartburn, if you fall for it. And we'll hear about that sudden heartburn right now. Sudden heartburn may not be the spicy meal you just ate, but it may be caused by common medications and supplements, experts say. Antibiotics and pain relievers can irritate the lining of the esophagus, which can cause heartburn, gastroenterologists say. Iron supplements and vitamins that come as large pills can do the same thing. If you think this is happening to you, check with your medical provider to see if it's safe to take a break from your medication or find a substitute. Traveling can be relaxing, but irregular nighttime routines can lead to difficulty sleeping. To help reduce jet lag, try adjusting your sleep schedule to your destination's time zone at least five to six days in advance, experts say. Pack your own pillow, blankets, or other items from home to help you adjust to your vacation accommodations. Yoga poses before bed can help your body relax. Child's pose can stimulate the glands that produce melatonin. That's your AARP Minute. Your AARP Minute. Okay, Boomer. Okay, kid. You know being on radio causes me some tension. Good tension. Because I can channel the tense energy into my show. But then there's the other kind of tension like 
forgetting my cell phone and driving all the way home to retrieve it after I arrived at St. Louis. Well, Kendall Boyson talks now about both kinds of tension. Hi, Kendall. Hi, Robert. Today we are talking about tension. And we aren't ducking our heads, crawling in a hole, or wishing we were invisible. But we're searching to understand tension both professionally and personally. I mean, even the word tension elicits a tense physical response. No one in their right mind enjoys conflict and bad feelings. But issues left unaddressed become just that. You might feel challenged, unheard, overlooked, or even belittled. But will defending every imagined injustice create harmony at work or at home? My guess is no. Ever heard the phrase, pick your battles? While the context is about picking battles that you can actually win, it can also refer to being selective and keeping the peace. I, for one, hate to be in a bad mood. How about you? You know, avoiding eye contact, tiptoeing around, and giving the silent treatment? It's an exhausting game that I'm just no good at. On the flip side of that coin, I hate conflict. If there's a chance what I have to say might hurt your feelings or cause you any stress, I'm avoiding it like the plague. As a result, I tend to conform, get over it, let go, and move on. Is that always the right answer? Not at all, but it is something I'm working on. What do you do when you're faced with a tense moment that is causing you stress? What is your go-to reaction? And is it something that is working or something that you're working on. Let's dig in a bit to understand the different nuances of tension to find some helpful strategies we can incorporate at home and in our workplace. Even though most of us understand stress is a negative feeling, there are broadly two types of stress, eustress and distress. Eustress is the stress required to enable our productivity. It's the good stress that pushes us to perform better. There are two types of bad stress, chronic and acute. Acute stress can come on unexpectedly. For example, when you hear about the passing of a loved one. Chronic stress, however, is a result of ongoing problems that don't seem to be abating. It could be an illness in the family, financial difficulties, people you've borrowed money from that keep knocking on your door and making threats. You can imagine that kind of stress. How we understand and cope with our stressors is dependent on factors such as our childhood, our ability to handle situations, and our conditioning. We're all programmed in a particular way, which is shaped by our genetic makeup, our environment, social, economic, religious conditioning, and our belief system. Dealing with tension in your professional or personal life is important for your overall well-being and productivity. So here are some steps you can take to address and manage tension. Number one, identify the source. Determine the specific cause of tension. Is it related to work, relationships, health, or other factors? Understanding the root cause is the first step to addressing it. Number two, self-reflection. Take some time to reflect on your feelings and reactions. Try to understand why you feel tense and how it's affecting you. Number three, communicate. In both professional and personal settings, open and honest communication is key. Talk to the relevant parties about your concerns and feelings. Sometimes simply sharing your thoughts can help you alleviate tension. 
Number four, set boundaries. Establish clear boundaries to protect your personal and professional life. This might involve setting limits on your work hours, defining personal space, or communicating your needs to others. Number five, prioritize self-care. Invest time in self-care activities like exercise, meditation, relaxation techniques, and hobbies. These can help you reduce stress and maintain a healthy work-life balance. Number six, time management. In professional life, effective time management can reduce tension. Prioritize tasks, set realistic deadlines, and avoid overcommitting. Number seven, seek support. Don't hesitate to seek support from friends, family, mentors, or professional counselors. They can offer guidance and a different perspective on your situation. Number eight, problem solving. For professional tension, focus on problem solving. Break down complex issues into smaller, manageable tasks and work towards resolving them one step at a time. Number nine, stress reduction techniques. Practice these techniques like deep breathing, mindfulness, or yoga to help you manage your emotional reactions to tension. Number 10, learn to say no. Don't be afraid to decline additional responsibilities or commitments when you're already feeling overwhelmed. Remember, no is a complete sentence. Number 11, professional development. If the tension is related to your career, consider professional development opportunities like training or workshops to enhance your skills and confidence. Number 12, take some time off. Take scheduled breaks or vacations to recharge and disconnect from work or stressful situations. Number 13, monitor your health. Pay attention to your physical and mental health. Chronic tension can have negative effects on your well-being, so seek medical or psychological help if needed. Number 14, accept imperfection. Understand that perfection is often unattainable. Accept that mistakes and setbacks are part of life and can be valuable learning experiences. And number 15, long-term planning. Consider your long-term goals and how your current situation fits into them. Sometimes knowing that you're working towards a larger purpose can help you navigate tension more effectively. Remember that managing tension is an ongoing process and what's best for you may vary depending on your unique circumstances. It's important that you set clear boundaries to protect your personal and professional life. This might involve setting limits on your work hours, defining personal space, or communicating your needs to others. Tension is infectious when you bring your work issues home. No need to disrupt your safe sanctuary with unsolvable issues that should have stayed at the office. Clock out mentally and use the serene space to nurture yourself and uncover productive strategies to make tomorrow a better day. So I challenge you, trace your tension to the root to understand why it's negatively affecting you and how to overcome these feelings. Resist the invitation to join the conflict, instead opting for a peaceful resolution. I know you can do it. Back to you, Robert and OK Boomer. To check out Kendall on the web, type encouragementology.com. Encouragement, then ology.com. Okay, Boomer. 
Okay, let's get up, get some Joe, and uh, walk down the uh, corridor here. No, I, I, I haven't shown you this place. There it is. That's the splash park. And oh my God, the bad hippie is is surfing. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Out of the past, 1963, wipe out. Hi, I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marcia Smith. The world is dark enough. So we like to keep it fun and light. Join us for 30 minutes of fact-filled fun every week. On the Off-Ramp Trivia Podcast. You'll hear fascinating facts about history, music, discovery, weird animals, and everything in between. Including little-known facts about well-known people. Each week. Right here on The The Off-Ramp. Find us wherever you get your podcasts or visit us online at theofframp.show. Are you an aspiring author looking to get your book published? Look no further than Tech Time Publishing Company. At Tech Time, we specialize in bringing the best books to readers everywhere. Our team of experienced editors and designers work closely with authors to bring their stories to life, ensuring every book is of the highest quality. But that's not all. Tech Time also offers a unique service to translate and narrate books and revenue sharing. This means that our talented team of translators and narrators will be compensated with a share of the book sales. So whether you're an author, translator, or narrator, Tech Time is the place to be. Join our community of book lovers and let us help you bring your stories to the world. Visit our website today to learn more. That's techtime.it. Tech Time. And if you're looking for a first-class Italian translator, check out Laura Squigna. It's spelled S-G-U-I-G-N-A. Laura Squigna, and you can find her on the Tech Time website under Translators. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Cup of Joe's food and nutrition editor, Robert Rickman. Thank you. When the administrators at New York City's prestigious Columbia University began offering Nutella, thanks to student demand, they didn't realize they'd have a $5,000 a week habit on their hands. However, that's exactly what the Columbia Spectator is reporting. It seems students can't get enough of the chocolatey hazelnut spread and are smuggling it out of the university's dining halls at an alarming and expensive rate. Students have been filling cups to go and taking the full jars, which means we're going through product faster than anticipated. Vicki Dunn, the executive director of Dining Services, tells the student paper in an email. Uh, the paper estimates up to 100 pounds per day are disappearing thanks to the creamy crime spree. The tell is good. I don't keep it around because, boy, does it put on the fat. A waitress in Colorado managed to personally bust the woman who was using her stolen ID when the server carded a customer only to have her hand, the waitress, her own license. According to KUSA-TV, Brianna Britty's wallet was stolen on February 13th, and since then, bad checks have been written in her name. When her license was flashed by another woman, Pretty played it cool and then called the cops. Security camera footage of a recent exchange at a UK police station has gone viral, all thanks to an appearance from the Dark Knight. 
According to the Times of London, a paunchy guy in a Batman costume showed up to drop off a 27-year-old theft and fraud suspect at the Trafalgar Square station in Bradford, England last Monday night. Before the pear-shaped crusader could be ID'd, he slipped away into the night. Batman, have that with you, Cup of Joe. I'm Robert Rickman. Okay, Boomer. Okay. Would you like to date Batman? Are you divorced? Never married? Widowed? Statistics show that many Boomers have returned to the dating scene. And Jill Graskowitz, who runs a senior citizen center, has some observations about seniors dating. Hey, Robert. Thank you so much. But before you go, I have a quick question for you. When was the last time that you had a hot date? I mean, for a guy over 60. Last century. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, And how did it go? Oh, it was awful. Uh, Yeah. Well, you win some, you lose some. I mean, that's it for people of all ages. So let's talk about dating. Senior dating, to be specific. In, you know, the new year of 2023. What does it look like? How's the best way to dip your toe in the water? When I searched senior dating sites on Google, I found over 718 million different sites. One of the best ones that I was looking at was actually through Forbes Health. And they were listing all of the different websites that are out there. Because let's face it, today, we're not going to bars like we used to. And quite frankly, a lot of bars have closed up or they're not really senior friendly. So where do you go to find someone? Well, let's talk about these things. Not only from digital, but also in person the old-fashioned way. So if you're at the end of a long relationship, either due to the death of a partner or a divorce, you can quickly enter the digital sphere, and it's amazing how many people you can meet. Now, this came from a professional matchmaker in San Francisco. I'm guessing that a lot of the metropolitan areas might have professional matchmakers, and if you can reach out to one and you can afford that, by all means, definitely give it a try. But if you're in a rural area and you don't have the professional matchmakers, let's try the old-fashioned way. Let's ask a friend. Hey, I'm thinking about looking. Do you have anyone, any friends that are single that you might want to hook me up with? They might giggle and laugh a little bit. And then when you look at them and say, nope, I'm serious. I think I'm really ready for this they're going to take you seriously. And then you need to have a little conversation about what your expectations are, what you require in a partner, what you're looking for, just to make sure that you come up with the right match. Another place that you can go that is old-fashioned is the grocery store. There are so many people, both younger and older, that actually shop for dates in the produce section. No kidding. You look, you see if they're wearing a wedding ring, you might ask a question, and that may spark something. 
That is really cool. Now, please, beware. If you see these people going around with pineapples in their carts, stay clear. That obviously 100% means something completely different that we can maybe talk about way down the road when it comes to dating, or you can look up online yourself because um, if you're if you're just now into the dating world, those pineapples and those shopping carts are going to be kind of scary for you. So if you don't go to the grocery store and you don't want to look there, what about going to a sporting event, going to a nice restaurant, getting dressed up, maybe going to a cocktail hour, but not getting a cocktail. You could easily get a ginger ale on, on the rocks and have it look in a pretty glass or have a nice glass of wine and see if there's anybody that might pique your interest. And remember that age is just a number. It is okay for younger people to date older people and older people to date older people or younger people and vice versa. Age is just a number and you're only as old as you act. So just keep that in mind. Now, if you're going to step into the digital world, there's tons of sites to go to. But according to Forbes, which let's go ahead and let them do all the work. Which one is their best dating sites for older adults? I've already done the work for you, so you don't have to. Forbes ranks Senior Match with five stars and at the top of their list. Now, Senior Match is a well-known dating site that caters specifically to older adults. The webcast or the website boasts more than 6,000 daily active members and 1 million singles over 50. Now, the participants must complete a questionnaire about themselves and they have to join the platform, allowing the Senior Match's algorithm, which is, that's just all math and, and um, what you press into the computer, kind of like when you look at Facebook or the TikTok. If you like, um, if you like to look at cooking videos, TikTok and Facebook are going to show you more things about cooking. Um, these algorithms provide matches based on various compatibility factors, such as interests and hobbies, like cooking. And I will add that going to a cooking class with a potential date is a fabulous date because you're going to be active. You're going to be with another group of people. You're going to be doing something that is enjoyable, hopefully to both of you. And you're going to have some laughs and you're going to see how that person interacts, not only with you, but with others. And it also takes the stress off of the relationship. Another great thing to do when you're dating is to go to a winery and listen to music. Sit and talk, but definitely play it safe. And dating, whether whether you're 20 years old or 92, always keep a cell phone handy. Always let someone close to you know who you're with, where you're going, maybe even share your location with that person. And by all means, 
this is probably the most important. A date should never, ever ask you for money. So just keep that in mind and be brave. Go out there. There's lots of other sites to look at that are just as popular and that have been around just as long, like eHarmony or Singles 50. There's even a one that I saw uh, recently on TV called Our Time, and they also cater towards older people. I think that these are great. They can all be accessed through your local um, computer, either at the library or if you have one at home. They can be accessed on your phone, on your apps, um, on your, your tablets, and, you know, talk to these people. Have a messaging conversation first, or maybe even a FaceTime. And another piece of advice don't settle. I know life is short and we figured that out by now, but do not settle for the first one you come across unless it's the right one, because these choices matter. By this time in our life, we are set in our ways, we like things in our home the way they are, and we don't want someone coming in and disrupting things. Also, you might want to have a conversation with your family members Some may take it well, some may take it not so well. But in the end, this is a personal decision and you have to make yourself happy. Until next time, have a good time exploring and be safe out there. Thank you very much, Jill. Thanks for the advice. I'll I'll take some of it. (laughs) Okay, Boomer. Well, we have the... uh, for Emily's there. Hey, from Dating Habits with Jill, we go now to Cousin Lexi B and the Millennial Minute. What's up, Uncle Robert? Let's take a break from all this older adult talk stuff and learn some more cool new stuff in the Millennial Moment. I heard you all were talking about dating. It's scary for me, too. We don't have many places like you guys did to meet new people. So outside of school and work, we now have online dating. We meet new people through our phone apps like Snapchat, Facebook, and Tinder. Stay away from that one, Uncle Robert. Don't let me catch you on that. Be open-minded, but in, but also be safe. Don't tell anyone where you live. Don't give anyone any money. See if you have any friends in common. And establish boundaries for the first date, like meeting people in public. And even having your friend Sit in the same restaurant if you need a quick escape. It's rough out there, but don't worry. There's tons of fish in the sea. Be safe. Thank you, Lexi B. And, you know, some of that advice can apply to, should I say it, boomers. Hey, what can help you think? Well, a question is asked, and you try to answer the question so you're thinking. And a lot of questions are going to be asked and a lot answered next on The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marcia Smith. Okay, let's get going with some good trivia here on Hey Boomer. This is Bob Smith along with Marcia Smith with some fun facts for you today. Okay, Marcia, here's a question on art. Okay. How did the first painting acquired by the Museum of Modern Art influence cinema history? It's an Edward Hopper painting. Yeah, was it the lunch counter there in the evening? Well, if it was the lunch counter... Nighthawks. If it was Nighthawks, how did that... Influence cinema I'm trying history. to think. Did it go, a film noir? No. I don't know. 
The first oil painting acquired by MoMA, by Edward Hopper, was his 1925 painting, House by the Railroad. And if you look at it, it's instantly recognizable as the inspiration for the Bates family home. I was going to say, Psycho? In Psycho, right? Yeah, the architectural style of the house, the perspective, the use of light, unmistakable. They all mirror what's seen in Alfred Hitchcock's film. All right, Bob. A famous singer dubbed Miss Piggy's singing voice in the Muppet movie. A famous singer? You mean Miss Piggy didn't do it herself? <laughs> who was it? Whose voice was singing Well, that it? would be singing in falsetto. It's a, is it a man who uh, sings it? Yes. Johnny Mathis. Oh, no kidding! <laughs> Johnny Mathis? Yeah. The singing voice of Miss Piggy in the Muppet movie? Yeah, we love that movie. I'll be darned. How did we know? That's a great piece of trivia. <laughs> Chances <laughs> are... <laughs> Yeah, sing some of the hits, says Miss Piggy. Oh, my goodness, that's funny. I wonder why they went to him. I'm sure there are character voice specialists who could have done that. Yeah. Why Johnny Mathis? I don't Not know. The, nothing against Johnny Mathis. Yeah, that's for sure. Okay. okay, all right. Now, you know that there are U.S. mints in various places in the United States. Yes. If you, you look at coins, some of the pennies, you'll find an S, San Francisco mint. So, tell me, why is there a U.S. mint in San Francisco? It was there for a specific reason. Because uh, the gold? That's right. The gold rush. Uh When the gold rush hit, the U.S. government wanted a branch there to buy the gold from the California gold miners. They wanted to get control of this gold. And the branch of the mint opened in 1854. They paid miners the official rate of $16 per ounce. The gold could be sold higher on the open market, but the price could also go as low as $6 first year of operation, the San Francisco Mint produced $4 million in gold coins. That's a lot back in those days. Within just two years' time, it had produced $24 million in gold coins. That's why they wanted a mint there. They wanted to get that money in the government. Can you name uh, the richest countries in the world, Bob? Well, you always think United States is one of those. This Uh, is 2022 numbers here. Okay, what are they? Uh, China is number one with $113 trillion net worth. Wow. I know. It's more than twice the United States, which is $50 trillion. Hmm. And then tie for third and fourth is Germany and France, both at $14 trillion. So it's China, the U.S., and then what are the other two? Germany and France, which Germany are tie for France. third. That's surprising. I don't, yeah. don't think of France as an economic powerhouse. I think of Germany that way. Yeah. They're yeah. close. It's, yeah. Interesting. It is. Remember when Alfred Hitchcock had that show on TV, and sometimes in his movies, there would be this famous signature line drawing of his yeah, profile. Yeah. What artist did that? Oh, that's an interesting question. Was it a fine artist, or was it somebody like the guy over at New York Magazine? It was a famous guy <laughs> who had an art background. <laughs> it was Hitchcock himself. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. His background included drawing, painting, and advertising graphics, and he was an art director in early silent oh, so films. He did, he did his little profile. Uh, he did his, pro- own, profile. his own profile. He started out doing title cards in silent films in Britain, the cards they used to put in their okay. dialogue. That's how he got his start. Isn't that funny? That's how people break into different uh, fields like that. Yeah. Okay. We're talking nicknames. There's top 10 nicknames of all time. Well, Bob has got to be number one. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to give you uh, the nickname of a few people, and you tell me who it is. The Bard of Avon. Bill Shakespeare. Yeah. William Shakespeare. Billy. And here's one you should know. The Wizard of Menlo. Oh, that's uh, Thomas Edison. Correct. The Dopey One. 
The dopey one and Mr. Dullard. Mr. Dullard? Albert, the dopey one. I keep thinking of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Albert uh, Einstein. Dopey Do- one? Yeah. That was his nickname? Yeah. Well, that was. Uh, those were nicknames, yes. That it's, he had? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. Chairman of the board, not a hard one. Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Old Blue Eyes, the Sultan of Swoon, Swoonatra, and The Voice. He had a lot of them. The Sultan <laughs> of Swoon. You know this one? I did. The Little Sparrow. The Little Sparrow. This must be a, it's a female yes. singer. Who sang? I don't know who it would be. Edith Piaf. Oh, the French singer. The Chanteuse. That was another nickname for okay. her. <laughs> and uh, this one you should know. Uh, he was called The Little Tramp. Oh, that's uh, Charlie Chaplin, of yeah. course. And this one I like, The Professional Virgin. The prof- <laughs> <laughs> Professional Virgin. Uh-huh. Who's that? Doris Day. Oh, okay. And and one, I'll just give you a few of his names. You, you should get it. Mr. Warmth, Mr. Potato Head, The Merchant of Venom. Oh, that is uh, Don Rickles. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Okay. And Mr. Potato Head, because he played Mr. Potato Head. In the... um, Toy Story. Toy Story, yeah. Very good. Okay, names. We know that uh, L. Frank Baum got the name Oz for his stories by looking at a uh, file cabinet drawer labeled O-Z, right? Yeah. He had that the other other week. Okay, now, how did Wicked, the author of Wicked, which was the recent play, uh, musical, on, on Oz, how did... Wicked author Jeffrey Maguire pay homage to L. Frank Baum by naming the witch. Now, here's the name of the witch. He chose the name Elphaba. 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 How does that relate to L. Frank Baum? Oh, that's the <laughs> initials. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. L.F.B. So he called her Elphaba. That's a- Yeah, just an homage, just as pay tribute yeah. to where this came from. I like it. I thought that was cool, too. I, did, I, I knew about the Oz, but I didn't know that Alphaba got the name that way. All right. Do you like covered bridges? And now sure. that we've got a covered bridge in our area here, one of the few in this part of the Midwest. But where is America's oldest covered bridge? What state is it located in? Is it Connecticut, Vermont, New York, or Massachusetts? My first thought was Massachusetts. That's what I would have thought. But it's actually in... New York. We always think of New York as New York City, but of course, New York, upstate New York, is like Wisconsin or yeah. Michigan. It's uh-huh. you know, it's pretty rural. Uh, and this one is near Cooperstown, New York, the oldest covered bridge still standing. How old do you think it is? Uh, well, I'll say two hundred. It's close to two hundred. It okay. was built in eighteen twenty-five. So we're coming up on the two hundredth anniversary. It's located outside of Cooperstown. It's called the Hyde Hall Bridge, and it was named for a mansion it once led to. Okay. It's 53 feet long, and it's the only covered bridge in Ostego County. It's also distinctive because most of the covered bridges have vertical boards on the side of the bridge, you know, from the ceiling to the floor. This has horizontal, real long horizontal siding. Anyway, almost 200 years old, and cars can still go across it and everything. Amazing. Yes, it is. That's it for the off-ramp. Bob and Marcia Smith, we just want to remind everyone, if they'd like to join us on the web, they can come to our site at theofframp.show. Now back to Robert P. Rickman with more on OK Boomer. OK, Bob, and despite your assurances, I'm not sure I want to try driving my Civic over that bridge. Oh, I can swim, but the windows don't lower very fast on the car, and I might not get out. OK, Boomer. Hey, are you getting hungry? Maybe not 
not for some restaurants. Uh, now, retirees have lost their appetite for Cracker Barrel and Olive Garden since the pandemic, and it's not clear when they'll come back, according to the chain's top brass. No amount of biscuits and gravy or unlimited pasta refills seems to be enough to entice the 65 and older crowd as they continue to pinch pennies amid high inflation and duck the coronavirus, according to Rick Conderis, chief executive of Darden Restaurants, which owns Olive Garden. He said, I do believe that they were a little bit more spooked on the COVID side, Cardenas told the analysts on a Thursday conference call. He said, we'd love to see them back more frequently. Indeed, seniors are heading to the budget-friendly pasta chain less often than they had before the pandemic, added Chief Financial Officer Raj Venon on a conference call on Thursday with Wall Street analysts. He pointed to a slight decline, as he said, in their numbers from the previous quarter. Olive Garden's restaurants are hoping to lure customers in the coming weeks as it reintroduces its wildly popular never-ending pasta bowl starting in September 25th. And that wraps it up. Thanks to the Mad Hippie, Kendall Boyson, Becky Salazar, Kim Scheffner, Dick Taylor, Jill Graskowitz, Bob and Marsha Smith, Cindy Womack, Karen Cripps, Dr. Gary Kinsell, and Janice Paul. We have enough for a poker game. OK Boomer is produced in the studios of WDBX Radio in Carbondale, Illinois, and is also broadcast on WRFN Radio in Nashville, Tennessee. And you can find OK Boomer with Robert wherever you download your podcasts. Also, you can find OK Boomer on Facebook. Check us out on robertrickman.net. robertrickmansmallcase.net. And remember, folks, we all have choices.